3: Do you like this show and you want to help support us? Do you want us to stay ad-free? Do you want extra episodes every month? Of course you do. Then head over to patreon.com slash nerdcaveretro. Become a Patreon supporter of this very show. Programs. It is Tuesday night and it is time for another Nerd Cave Retro Show. My name is Jason Robbins. And my name is Derek Diamond. And Joey Image had to come into the chat room and curse us with audio and video <laughs> problems before we started the show on time. And then he got it, Then he took his pants off and it was, it was <laughs> madness. Well,
1: allegedly. <laughs> allegedly. We, we have no proof that the pants have been removed, yeah. but. I will take his word for it,
3: so how have you been this week, my friend?
1: Not too bad. Uh, I actually, we were talking before we started. I got hBO Max, and I started watching The Watchmen series. And uh, so far, it's really good. I'm about halfway through it. It's definitely different than the movie that came out. Was it a little over ten years ago now? yeah, but but so far, I actually like it much better than the movie oh, that's and cool. HBO Max I went down a very very deep rabbit hole when it comes to to that platform because they have so much stuff that's not available anywhere else. Like they have a whole Turner Classic Movie selection where they have classics like Citizen Kane, uh, Gone with the Wind, Casablanca, you know that you you can't really stream anywhere else at least, you know, not to my knowledge. So that that was a lot of fun. It was actually yeah, that was Friday night. And I stayed up way too late because then I ended up watching Batman: Mask of the Phantasm, mm. which is such a good movie. Yeah, it is. I forgot how like good the story was. Like I, I feel like that's honestly one of the best Batman movies ever made.
3: It is. I, I remember going to see it in a the theater, and I was like, there was me and like two other people, and it was opening weekend. That's strange because you know, the Batman animated series was
1: huge at that time. I know. It makes uh it makes no sense, but No, I, I enjoyed it. Uh Phantasm's actually on Netflix, so anybody who has it, definitely go watch it because it, it truly is one of the best Batman movies ever made.
3: I want to do a commentary for that.
1: Well, it's funny you mentioned commentary tracks, so <laughs> I, I let Jason and Wally know that the poll I had posted for the patrons to, dis, uh, to decide our next commentary track ended in a tie. So I was like, well, how are we going to break this? And you brought up the idea of doing a coin toss. So, so everyone will see that it is a legitimate thing. I filmed a quick video of myself earlier today doing the coin toss, and that will be posted on Patreon after the live show. Fantastic! So, you can go and and see what, uh, which option one. I would say it's either Mortal Kombat or Street Fighter, yeah. which I was would have been happy with either one. But I, I'm happy with with what one.
3: Yeah, me too. I, I I'm totally happy with that. You yeah. guys will find so, out, you Patreon supporters.
1: Yeah. So, other than that, I've actually recorded a couple of episodes of my show uh over the last couple of days just to have a few things in the can. And it, it's been it's been fun actually going back to the strictly interview format. I, yeah. I feel like, you know, that was the right decision to make. So um other than that, just been uh just been kind of doing whatever.
3: Yeah, same here. I've been doing a lot of uh trying to relax because it's so freaking hot outside. Oh my God. And uh, I just want to die, and I hate it. And people that enjoy summertime, you guys are psychotic. Like, you have mental issues you need to come to terms with because summer is awful. It's the worst time of the year.
1: Now, I don't want to compare my experience to yours because I know you work in an area with, that's extremely hot throughout the day.
3: Mm-hmm.
1: But yesterday, I walked outside to go get my mail and by the time I walked back inside, I was already sweaty. Yeah, it's ridiculous. I know, it is. It is absolutely ridiculous. <laughs> Makes me want to move up to like Minneapolis it's, it's or heck, just, even Canada.
3: It's like seven straight months of swamp ass when you live in the South from <laughs> that's, like that's accurate May to to um to you know mid November. It's just. All swamp ass all day.
1: <laughs> and then you have to wear a jacket for three months.
3: Yeah, yeah. Well, not every... Only in the mornings until it gets up to, like, 80 degrees by yeah. 9 a.m. And then you have to start shedding clothes.
1: Yeah, and then on Christmas morning, I'll wear, like, shorts and a Hawaiian shirt. Yeah.
3: Sergeant Gesh said he had tornadoes yesterday. That sucks.
1: Oh, jeez. Ew. That's unfortunate.
3: don't like that. No. And uh, Rampage said he had uh he hasn't seen um Phantasm since uh Mask of the Phantasm since he had it on VHS. If you still have it, can I can I buy it from you? <laughs> <laughs> That'd be great to have actually. Yeah, I know. I have it on uh DVD because I, I found it at Walmart in the five dollar bin once. Same.
2: I'd love to I don't have it here
1: though. with me, unfortunately. It's still at my parents' house, but yeah. I do own it on DVD. But I, I was really excited to see that it was on Netflix. Ah, uh, he
3: says he doesn't have it anymore. Yeah. Maybe I'll get lucky and find it at the thrift store. I've been getting pretty lucky at the thrift store lately with VHS tapes. I even mm-hmm. ha- got Mortal Kombat, so whenever we do our commentary for Mortal Kombat, I, I'm going to watch it on VHS with you guys.
1: That's great.
3: <laughs> uh, love it. I'm ready to move into the news if you are. Let's do it. Oop, I don't know, I don't want to play our opening music. <laughs> From NintendoLife.com, Capcom discounts Resident Evil. Uh go away. Uh Mega Man and more in Summer Switch sale for North America. Uh, if you're looking for some new games to check out on your Switch. This new sale from Capcom might come in handy. A number of different titles have been discounted for a limited time, including plenty of Resident Evil and Mega Man games, Dragon's Dogma, Phoenix Wright, and more. Uh, Let's see here. We've got Monster Hunter Generations Ultimate on sale for $19.99. The Beat'em Up bundle is $9.99. Resident Evil. All the Resident Evils are either $12.99 or $14.99. Ah, uh, you got your Street Fighter 30th Anniversary Collection for fourteen seventy nine. Man, these are some good prices. I might have to go pick some stuff up during the sale.
1: Yeah, I'm looking at it now. I'd be really interested in getting the Street Fighter Anniversary Collection, uh, the Mega Man Legacy Collection would be one, too. Oh, they also have the Mega Man X Legacy Collection. Yeah, I was uh,
3: tempted to get that one. I saw that one the other night. I already have the the Mega Man Legacy Collection. Um, You should definitely pick that one up because it's much easier to play, like I said when I reviewed Mega Man, it's much easier to play on the Switch because you have uh, a rewind feature, and there's Mm -hmm. a lot of falling off of... uh, (laughs) platforms in that game, so if you play it on the Switch, you actually have a rewind feature that'll get you through the game a lot easier. I will keep that in mind. Uh, These are being uh, until the 30th of July, so you have uh, another week to get any of the titles on this list.
1: Yeah, I'm definitely getting the Mega Man Legacy Collection for sure, and probably the the X as well, because I loved Mega Man X when I reviewed it.
3: Yeah, Joey, the uh the Street Fighter anniversary was is uh what did I say it was? Uh, it Street is uh $14. 14.79. Yeah, That's not bad since you it, it's usually 40. Mhm. Same with the uh the Capcom Beat 'em Up bundle and the monster if you're in the Monster Hunter, uh the Monster Hunter Generations Ultimate is usually 50. It's on sale for t- uh 19.99 right now. That is not bad. Ooh, Onimusha Warlords is on here, too, for t- uh, nine ninety nine. dollars Did you ever play Onimusha Warlords for play- uh, Not play- uh, Yeah, PlayStation 2? I did not. Uh, the Onimusha games were some of my favorite games on the PlayStation 2. Those were really good.
1: That's a good deal, too, 50% off. Yeah, it's not bad at all. Let's see, our next story comes to us from gizmodo.com. This powerful retro handheld almost, keyword almost, puts the N64 in your pocket. It didn't take long enough for the handheld emulators coming out of China to get powerful enough to finally play N64 games, which is impressive. N64 is a notoriously challenging console to emulate. The RK 2020 is among the first batch of portables that can play classics like Mario 64, and while it doesn't emulate every N64 game perfectly, it's already one of the better handhelds available. Uh, see, despite the fact it's from the previous generation of handheld emulators, we still recommend the Anbernic Retro Game 350 as the best value if you're looking for an easy-to-use portable console that can handle eight and sixteen-bit titles. That is interesting because if you think about you know back in the emulator and ROM days when those first really became prevalent, yeah. The N64 was always one that you could never quite find the perfect emulator for. Yeah. So it's interesting that one has come out that can can kind of play them.
3: Yeah, it's got the single analog stick, too. <laughs> mm-hmm. It looks like it's uh, they got a comparison here. It's roughly the size of a Game Boy Advance, but the screen is way bigger. It actually yeah. looks kind of cool.
1: Yeah, I, I, don't, I don't mind the look for it. I will say the the emulator that you recommended to me has been very helpful when it comes to N64 games. Yeah. Because I, I own a copy of the game that I'll be reviewing tonight, but I, I prefer to play it with the PlayStation controller.
3: So what do you think? Uh, I actually, <laughs> instead of them doing a mini Nintendo 64, I have a feeling Nintendo's probably going to start dropping some Nintendo 64 games on the Switch next year.
1: I think so, too. I, a weird I could see weird one about that. I could see that being like, um, it'd be cool if they did it for the holidays, actually. Yeah.
3: I'd be okay with that. I'd, lo- I'd Just, love to go back and, and play uh, Mario 64 uh, on the mm-hmm. Switch. That'd be fun.
1: Yeah. No, I think they should do that. Well, I mean, also there's that rumored, you know, Mario set that's going to be remastered yeah. that includes like Mario sixty four, Mario Sunshine, and games like that. Yeah, that that I would love. But it'd be cool to go back and play like Star Fox sixty four, uh, Ocarina of Time, games like that. And what they should do is they should honestly, the next direct they do, if they do one around the fall, make that announcement and say these games are available right now.
3: Exactly. Yeah.
1: I would lose my mind if that happened.
3: <laughs> I would, too. I'm ready for that uh, Mario um, that collection they have coming. That sounds like it's going to be nice. Mm-hmm. So for the next story, I don't know about you, but I did not watch the Nintendo Direct Mini. I haven't watched it yet. Um, I haven't either. Apparently, everybody was really disappointed with it. And uh, this has come from express.co.uk. Good news for Switch fans left disappointed by the Nintendo Direct Mini. Um uh, they held their first Nintendo Direct stream since March, with both of these broadcasts being Direct Mini presentations. However, if you if you want to know when the last full Nintendo Direct was, you'll have to go all the way back to last September. The long gap this long gap since the last Proper Direct, coupled with a bare-looking 2020 release schedule for the Switch, has got fans extremely excited for news. Um. Let's see. The latest clocked in around eight minutes and delivered news for a very specific kind of fan—an update on JRPG Shin Megami Tensei V, which last made an appearance during 2017, the year the Switch was launched. Um. Let's see where this is a long article. I'm just trying to get to. So they're going to have multiple showcases this year. They can continue highlighting the breadth of games with a variety of experiences. All types of players can get on Nintendo Switch. Uh, the next stream in the Partner Showcase series will re- be revealed in the future. Uh, there could be no more directs coming up. They'll have an announcement which will get you excited. Um, they, the Partner Showcase streams don't cover first-party Nintendo titles um and it's rumored that the next major direct could be as far away as the end of this summer which honestly that's not that far away it's only it's already to the end of July yeah um i don't know i I don't feel like the nintendo had a real thin release schedule this year i mean they had animal crossing that paper mario um yeah, I mean, I guess it is kind of thin for first-party titles, but it's so rich with like indie games, games. third-party stuff. Like I don't see why people are so disappointed. The only thing I'm disappointed about we haven't heard anything about a new Metroid game.
1: There's still time.
3: Yeah, and then the Mario collection there is supposed to come out later this year too, so
1: I'm also waiting on news about the next Breath of the Wild.
3: Yeah, that too. I mean, I know those are going to take a while. Nintendo doesn't like to release stuff until it's ready. And that's yeah. what I like about Nintendo. So I'm not going to get too angry if they, if they have a thin release schedule. I mean, hell, we're in like the worst year since 1918 as far as like the world shutting down. So if they can't get a lot of stuff out, that's okay.
1: I mean, I feel like with everything, you have to put an asterisk by it just because of the pandemic. I mean, it's affected everything. Yeah. And it's affected Nintendo, too.
3: You know what I was thinking, too? Like, because Hollywood is shut down, nothing's getting made, they're going to be hurting for uh, content. Or, like, next year when they start up stuff again, I'm thinking, what if mm-hmm. I pitch Monsters Anonymous again to someone and they might pick it up?
1: Hey, you never know. Never know. I think you should. Let's see. Our last story comes to us from Nintendolife.com. Nintendo reveals average age and salary of its employees as of March 2020. And I love this picture of Mario in the yeah. suit that's on this article. <laughs> Ever fancied a job at Nintendo? Ever wondered what it'd really be like working at the house of Mario? Well, Nintendo's latest annual report gives us a quick insight into daily life inside those hallowed halls. They would hate our opinion, so we'd get fired immediately. A portion of the report focusing on its employees provided a few quick statistics about its workers over the last financial year, which is April 2019 through March of 2020. It tells us the overall number of employees as well as their average age, salary, and length of service. So as of March 31st, 2020, The number of employees is 2,395. The average age in years is 39. Average length of service in years is just under 14. It's 13.9. And then average annual salary is 9,350,972 yen, which equates to $86,583. And then, uh, as a note, average annual salary is the amount paid inclusive of tax in the fiscal year ended March 31st, 2020, including extra wages and bonuses. That's not bad. No, it's really not. It's really not. I mean, that was one of those jobs as a kid, you know, growing up uh, a huge Nintendo fan. I'd be like, oh, I'd love to work at Nintendo and make video games.
3: Dude, I wanted to be Howard Phillips so bad when I was a kid. Yeah. (laughs) I I get it. Like, how do you get that job where you just you start out as uh uh what was he like a warehouse employee, uh moving around uh like Donkey Kong, uh machines and ended up being the head of Nintendo of America for a while. Like, Mm -hmm. how does that happen?
1: (laughs) It's the American dream, my friend.
3: Yeah, it is. It was because of him that we didn't get the uh, the super hard uh, Mario Brothers two. We actually got Doki Doki Panic as Mario two because he said, you know, Americans don't want to play a game that this hard. He's not wrong. Yeah, but he had a lot of good ideas, uh, and I, you know, Howard, I'd love to get him on this show and interview him.
1: Oh, that'd be great.
3: That's that's the white whale.
1: Yeah. I'd be okay with Reggie, too.
3: Yeah, you would get both of them on. I'll, I'll, I'll call them up. Yeah. <laughs> on speed dial. Yeah. Um, but it is time to go into this month in video game history. On July 8th of 1983, Infocom releases Planetfall, which becomes one of their top sellers in 1984.
1: I mean, I know we talk about this almost every year, but, man, I love that cover art. Yeah, it's great. Yeah. It's just, this needs to be, at worst, a short film.
3: This is the one about the janitor in space, right? Yes. Yes. (laughs) I'd love to have an old... I wonder if they have this on the Commodore 64 Mini. I don't know. Probably not.
1: They probably don't have fun stuff on there. Yeah. If I had to guess. On July 20th of 1984, Namco releases action role-playing game Tower of Druaga.
3: Tower of
1: Druaga. It's a cool name. Yeah. I like the
3: cartoon art. Yeah. You know what like-
1: that reminds me of? It reminds me of the, the old comic strips that used to be in Nintendo Power. Yeah, it does. Yeah, the old uh, Howard and Nestor comic strips.
3: I miss those.
1: (laughs) I miss Nintendo Power.
3: Me too. July 26th of 1985, Nintendo releases the family computer robot, a peripheral for their family computer, Famicom, home video game console in Japan. Is this the Rob? Yes, it is. It is the Rob. Robotic operating buddy.
1: So, I never had a Rob, but I remember when he was announced for Smash Brothers. I think Brawl was the first Smash game he was in. He's actually not a terrible character. He's not one of my regular go-tos, but if I'm doing a, a matchup where I'm just being silly, yeah, I, I'll use Rob. And he's fun.
3: I only knew one kid that had the Rob when I was a kid. I used to, uh, my, my friend Brian, in the fourth grade, I used to go stay at his house. And um, he was one of those rich kids whose parents made a lot of money. And Mm -hmm. so he had everything. And on one side of his TV, he had a Rob. And the other side was the hand puppet uh, Yoda, the big giant hand puppet Yoda. And uh, I remember I stayed over there one weekend. And we tried to I think it was, uh, what was the game for Rob? I just got it not too long ago. Uh, Uh Gyromite. yeah, played Gyromite with Rob, and it was awful. He's so slow. Like, no wonder they got rid of him so fast.
1: But he does live in video game infamy. Yeah, he does. July 27th of 1989, Nintendo releases Mother in Japan, the first of a trilogy of role-playing games produced by celebrity writer Shigasto Itoi. Uh, It's probably the incorrect way to say that name, but Mother is better known as Earthbound here in the United States. So there was the original game Mother, then the sequel Mother 2 was released in the States as Earthbound. Yeah, Mother 3 still has yet to be released in the States, but one cool thing they did do for the original Mother game is they packaged it for the Wii U um, called Earthbound Beginnings. And it, it plays similar to... Earthbound for the Super Nintendo is just it has NES level graphics.
3: Yeah, that's cool. Yeah, it's a fun little note. I still haven't played um, Earthbound. I need to. If I I were
1: to stream another game, it would probably be Earthbound.
3: Maybe I should do that. Stream that because I've never played it. I'd be interested to get your thoughts on it. Let's see. July 20th of 1990, Metal Gear 2 Solid Snake for the MSX2 computer is released exclusively in Japan. It is Konami's last major game for the hardware. They released this on the Nintendo, too, didn't they?
1: Uh, let's see. Uh, It actually doesn't list on... No, it just says MSX2, but I could have swore it was... The MSX2 version of Metal Gear 2 was only released in Japan, although Kojima would later direct another sequel titled Metal Gear Solid, which was released worldwide for the PlayStation in 1998.
3: Oh, Snake's Revenge is what I'm thinking of. Yeah. Um, Yeah. Yeah, so
1: this was a Japanese
3: exclusive. I'm not a huge fan of the Metal Gear series. I've never really been into uh, stealth games. They're just not my thing. I like to go in guns blazing. I don't like to. (laughs) (laughs) You like to go
1: in Han Solo style. Yeah,
3: exactly. Ah! (laughs) (laughs) Ah! Get back to the ship!
1: (laughs) Close the blast door. (laughs) Open the blast door. Open the blast door. Uh, in yeah. July of 1991, Atari updates their Lynx handheld system with a smaller form factor, better screen, and longer battery life, and it's all you, for nothing.
3: One of these days I'm going to grab I'm going to find one of these old Lynx systems cuz I always wanted one.
1: There is one, at least last time I checked, there is one at the video game trading post here in town.
3: How much are they at How much are they going for these days?
1: I don't remember the price of it,
3: dude. This thing was 180 bucks in nineteen eighty nine. That's what the that's the equivalent of like probably four or five hundred bucks today.
1: That's insane. That's
3: a lot of money.
1: I should have typed in Lynx Gaming because the animal came up on my Google search.
3: Yeah, yeah, mixed master. I mean, I know the Metal Gear games are good. I mean, they're still making them to this day. But just, you know, I tr- I tried to play some of those uh, Splinter Cell games. Um, with uh, what's the dude's name in the Splinter Cell games? The main character. Um,
1: I've never played them.
3: But yeah, I was. I'm so not good at stealth games, just at all. And that's what that's and one mi- thing I hate whenever I'm playing a game, and there's like. All of a sudden, there's a stealth level. I'm like, nope, I don't want to do this. Oh, Sam, El- mm-hmm. not it's not Sam Elliott. <laughs> Sam Elliott's—he's <laughs> 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 the dude sitting at the bar uh, uh, and yeah, and the Big Lebowski. Big <laughs> Lebowski,
1: best mustache in Hollywood
3: take, of all time. I take comfort in that. <laughs>
1: You got any more of that
3: sarsaparilla? Yeah. <laughs> Ooh, <laughs> dude, I need to go capture that. Yes,
1: that's a great one. Got any more of that
3: good sarsaparilla? Sarsaparilla.
1: <laughs> Mixmaster says I thought Mother Three was just released. If it has, I if it has, I would love to play it hmm. because I remember hearing about that game in like the late '90s, early 2000s.
3: Sam Fisher. But, that's it. It's not Sam Elliott. It's Sam Fisher.
1: Okay, yeah. you got the first name right.
3: that would be a cool game though Sam Elliott sneaking around
1: (laughs) set in the universe of the Big Lebowski but you play as Sam Elliott's character dude
3: I would play that in a heartbeat oh absolutely (laughs) they have like bowling mini games Uh,
1: (laughs) the final boss is Jesus Yes, you have to beat Jesus in bowling (laughs)
3: Uh, I want to go watch that now
1: uh it's so good. It's top 10 favorite movie of all time for me.
3: Yeah. Easily. Absolutely. But uh you're up next. Oh, am I? Um uh, let's see. July 21st of 1995, Konami releases Castlevania Dracula X for the Super Nintendo. I don't think I ever played Dracula X. I know it that. Says uh, here I, it's did oh, it go come, ahead. It came out for Yeah, it came out for the PlayStation 2, didn't it?
1: It just says here it was released in July of ninety-five in Japan, in September ninety-five in the US, and February of ninety-six in Europe.
0: Hmm.
1: It was also released as a Wii U virtual console download. Well, it in Japan and North America. Okay. Then it was also released again for the 3DS virtual console. I should get that, because aren't they shutting that down soon?
3: What's that? Uh
1: the the 3DS virtual console. I want to say we talked about that.
3: Yeah, that if that hasn't happened already.
1: Yeah, I'll have to look at it and see. Cuz if it's still there, I mean, what they should have done if it if it hasn't closed down yet, they should do honestly like a clearance sale. Yeah, exactly. Like everything must be downloaded. Yeah. <laughs> uh I just I, I'm going to be thinking about Sasparilla for the rest yeah. of, the sh- of the show. <laughs> But our last bit of this month in video game history, on July 19th, 1996, Tri-Ace and Enix releases Star Ocean for the Super Nintendo. Star. And Ocean. I believe this was a Japan exclusive.
3: Um, if second, I remember right. I think this came out on the play- yeah PlayStation 2.
1: So it did come out in the States.
3: Yeah. Uh, Okay. The Star Ocean, the second story, was the first game to be published in the USA by Sony. Um, It was... And then PlayStation 2 had Star Ocean till the end of time.
2: There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care.
1: Interesting. Yeah, I didn't know there were that many Star Ocean games. I did not either. Yeah, span from 96 to 2016. Awesome. That's pretty impressive.
3: Yeah. Well, before we go into the review for tonight, Derek has got some shout-outs.
1: Yes, as always, we like to shout-out our awesome patrons over at patreon.com nerdcave. nerdcaveretro. We want to shout-out Armez Jackson, AxeBlade07, Daniel Salmon, John Jekyll, a.k.a. Mixmaster, Carlos Longoria, Staff Sergeant Sketch, and Randy Bailey. Thank you guys, as always, for keeping the lights on for us. And because we're back at that $50 level, we are doing extra episodes every month. We do a commentary track, like we've done one for The Wizard, Mario Brothers, and now most notably, Double Dragon, which might be my new favorite. I haven't quite decided yet, but Uh, We will be doing another one by the end of the month. As I mentioned at the beginning of the show, I recorded a video to show the coin toss and the result of what won between Mortal Kombat and Street Fighter. So you patrons go uh, check that out uh, after you listen to the show. Yes, And you'll hear what we've... uh, what will we have uh, coming up next? But if you're also if you not a part of our Patreon and you want to be a part of it, you can head over to patreon.com slash NerdCaveRetro.
3: And it's definitely going to be a, an easier watch than the last one. <laughs> yes.
1: I, I intentionally put movies that would be more tolerable Dude, in the you know, poll.
3: You know what's funny? I, today, I actually went back and listened to the Double Dragon commentary. And I, I'll be 100% honest with you. I don't remember anything from that movie. Like, we were talking about it <clears throat> and stuff happening on the screen, and I don't remember any of it. There is nothing the th- from that movie that sticks in my head. <clears throat> Robert
1: Patrick sticks out, but that's really about it.
3: That's it. Like, the plot, scenes, things we were talking about, I'm just like, what were we talking about? Like, I don't have no, I have no reference to what we were talking about. Well, I'll tell you my favorite
1: line from that at least that I said during that entire commentary track and I believe this with 100% confidence. The three of us being me, you and Wally have all written a better movie script yeah. <laughs> than what happened with Double Dragon. And I will say that with 100% confidence.
3: Yeah. There was another thing in there you said that made me laugh and I wish I could remember what it was cuz I was going to be I was going to go ahead and clip it. Um I said something like, "What the hell is a Tell us something." And you came, you came back with some, with something just completely ridiculous, and, I was, and I was, it made me laugh.
1: My occasional good one-liner. Oh, so I didn't tell you this. I watched that movie on mute with no subtitles. Oh yeah, <laughs> yeah. It actually made it kind of
3: enjoyable. Yeah. Uh, Mixmaster asked me if I am a fan of the stealth section in *Wind Waker*. Um, I haven't played Wind Waker since 2000...
1: Came out in like 2002, 2003.
3: it's been since like 2004, 2005 since I played it. And honestly, I don't remember a stealth section in there.
1: In the beginning of the game, you lose your sword. So you have to essentially sneak around the fortress to get it back.
3: That I don't mind too much. If it's done well, I don't mind it. But if the whole game mechanic or like you're almost through with an entire game and then all of a sudden, if it's at the beginning of the game and it's not that much, I don't mind it. But if it's, if I'm like just trying to get through a game and I'm almost done or you're over halfway done and they throw a stealth section at you, no.
1: Yeah, I mean, at least with Wind Waker, it's at the beginning. Yeah. So that's not too bad.
3: Uh, But let's go ahead and this is what Derek's going to be talking about. Soothing.
1: Kind of want to take a nap now. Yeah.
3: <laughs>
1: <laughs> so I've actually been really excited to review this game. It's one that's been on my list for a while, but I wanted to have enough time to really play it because it is an RPG. And I don't have as much time as I used to in order to put, you know, like a ton of time into an RPG type of game. Because with an RPG, you want to actually dive into it and really really, play it for an extended period of time like you can't play it for 20 minutes and say oh i'm good yeah you got to really get into it so the game i will be reviewing this week is paper mario which is a role-playing video game developed by Intelligent systems and published by nintendo for the n64 home video game console the first game in the paper mario series of mario role-playing games it was first released in japan in 2000 and then internationally in 2001 It was also re-released for Nintendo's Wii Virtual Console and the Wii U Virtual Console. And it's crazy to think, because Mario has been around since 1981 with the original Donkey Kong, but Mario has spawned off his own series within series, and Paper Mario is one of them. And I, I think I briefly mentioned this on last week's show, but Paper Mario is at its essence, it's the spiritual successor to what to me is one of the most underrated video games of the Super Nintendo, and that is Super Mario RPG. Yeah, Because it was the the ultimate marriage between two types of games. You know, you, you think Mario might not work as an RPG, but it absolutely does. And that's kind of the thing with Mario is that he's been able to adapt to other styles and still have successful games and this is this is one of the most notable ones and i remember seeing the first trailer for this i'm sure it was at an e3 or it might have been in nintendo power i was like paper mario what what is that and then i read that it was an rpg and i was like oh it's like that super nintendo game that i really enjoyed and as a kid, you know, growing up, a huge fan of the intellectual properties like Mario, Zelda, and Metroid, this was absolutely on my list to get. And I haven't gone back and played it since I was a kid when it originally came out for the N64. So it's been, yeah, nearly 20 years because it came out in North America in early 2001, which was kind of the tail end of the N64's run because the yeah. GameCube came out you know, later that year, like this and Conker's Bad Fur Day were the last mm-hmm. two big titles for the N sixty four, but to be
3: honest with you, I had no idea that Paper Mario first came out on the Nintendo sixty four. I thought the first one came out on GameCube.
1: The sequel came out for the GameCube, Thousand Year Door, which is also a very good game, and that's one that I do want to review at some point on the show. But essentially, to kind of describe a little bit of what Paper Mario is like, it it combines traditional role-playing game elements with concepts and features from the Mario series. And as I mentioned, the two marry together very well, because when you're walking out in what I call the open world, there's still a little bit of platforming aspect to it. You know, Mario can still jump. When you get the hammer, you can do a hammer attack out in the field. But when you go into battle, it's turn-based, it's like your typical type of RPG. And the cool thing is is that you have a ton of characters that you encounter. And the same thing happened with the original game, but this is expanded upon because you have, I think, uh, let's see, you have eight characters that you uh, join up with. And the cool thing is you can alternate between them, like the, the thing that sucks is that you can only have one of them out with you at a time. So say if you're in battle, you can only have one. Hmm. And if you want to switch, you can, but it takes up a turn as far as battling. But uh, some of the characters, they all have their own unique abilities, too. You have Goombario, who is a good Goomba, hmm. who has the ability to tell the player about any character, environment, and enemy. So he has this attack that you can do called Tattle, Where he describes like the the HP, you know, and whatever stats that the enemy has. Hmm. And the cool thing is, is that once you do it one time, you don't have to do it again to that enemy. So, say if you're fighting Goombas in one battle, Mm -hmm. you use the Tattle ability, you find out they have like two HP because they're extremely weak. Mm -hmm. And then you win, and you go into the next battle, you already see that they have two HP. Like you don't have to keep redoing the attack, which is which is nice. Because there are a lot of RPGs where you can do that, but you have to do it repeatedly. Yeah. Uh, you have Cooper, who is a Koopa Troopa with the ability to throw his shell at otherwise unreachable objects. Bombette, a Pink bob with the ability to blow up weak parts of walls. You have uh, Paracarry, who is a Paratroopa, who also uh, works for the Postal Service, <laughs> with the ability to help Mario cross gaps too large to jump across. Lady Bao, who is a female Boo with the ability to make Mario become invisible and transparent. Wat a little Sparky, with the ability to light up rooms and reveal hidden objects. You have Sushi, who is a Cheep Cheep, with the ability to allow Mario to swim. And I'm going to butcher this name, but Locky Lester, who is a Lakitu with the ability to allow Mario to travel over dangerous environments such as spikes and lava. So you encounter these characters throughout the game. And, you know, the area that you find them in, chances are you have to use them to get to where you need to go. Yeah. And they, they all have, you know, advantages and disadvantages, you know, depending on their ability. But I, I love that there are that many characters. To me, that's the perfect amount because this actually is a pretty big game. Mm-hmm. And the story of the game is it starts out. Mario and Luigi are invited to a party at Princess Peach's castle. Well, of course, it's invaded by Bowser. It's actually lifted into the sky. And Bowser is in possession of what's called the Star Rod, which is used to grant wishes. And he stole it from, I think it's called Star Haven. Because it was called the Star Road in Mario RPG. And you know you try and fight Bowser, he's invincible, you can't beat him. He kicks you off the castle, you fall back down to Earth. And the cool thing, it actually implements the paper element, is when Mario's falling, he's floating <laughs> like a piece of paper. That's cool. And even, even whenever you uh, go to a toad house, which is where you can you know, sleep and recover all your HP and whatnot, he falls into the bed like a piece of paper. So it does incorporate the paper elements in a, in a clever way. But what you have to do is you have to travel throughout the mushroom kingdom and find the seven uh, star sp- uh, spirits, or they're actually called star Sprites and they're located in different areas so, like you've got to go to you know the Koopa Brothers Castle, you go to a desert, you go to a forest. so there's a nice variety that you come to expect from the Mario games and through there you just you know you get stronger and you recover all the sprites and you go kick Bowser's ass. <laughs> that, that's, and that's pretty much the story of the game, but there, there's a lot to do yeah. in this game. There's a lot of collectibles. Um, one cool thing that they actually added that I really liked, so in the original Mario RPG, as you would level up, you would learn new abilities. Like Mario would learn you know, throwing fireballs or different types of jump attacks and so on and so forth. Well, the way you do it in Paper Mario is you get badges. Each of them have different abilities. So, for example, you'd get a badge that has like a hammer on it. And I, they have clever names to them, but I can't really remember any of them off the top of my head. And you have to use a certain number of badge points in order to equip said badge. So when you level up, you have the option to increase your HP, your FP, which are flower points which you use to do special attacks or badge points. And the more badge points you have, the more badges you can equip. Hmm. So in a way, you kind of have to increase your badge points first because then you can also get badges that increase your HP and FP. Yeah. So you have to be really strategic with how you level up. And the cool thing is is you find these blocks, and I can't remember what the name of them are, are off the top of my head, but you get new attacks for your party. So it's so like you find, uh, they're like these blue floating blocks and you hit, you hit it and you have the option of which uh, party member you want to upgrade and they'll learn new special attacks. So they, they learn new stuff too uh, throughout the game. But um, do you have any questions so far?
3: Does it, uh, the only one I've ever played was for the Wii U the Paper Mario game, or not the Wii U, the Wii. And I didn't get to play it very long. Um, but is it sort of the gameplay, like the, the RPG style, where it has like, um, you know, like random battles? Or can you see who you're about to go up against?
1: You see who you're about to go up against. Okay. So for example, in the desert world, you'll see like a bandit or a shy guy Run towards you, and if you come in contact with them, then the battle starts. Yeah. Uh, funny enough, I actually haven't played um, any of the Paper Mario games besides um, this one and Thousand Year Door. I very briefly played Super Paper Mario. Now that I mention it, but I don't. I remember playing it, but I don't remember that much from it. Yeah. But all in all, like, there's a lot to do. In this game, and there are fun you know little side quests that you can do, like there's there's a Koopa village with Koopa troopas that have defected from Bowser,
3: mm-hmm.
1: and there's this this old turtle that keeps asking you to do favors, so you'll have to like go somewhere and find like cake mix or some type of specific item, and then you take it back to him, and he'll give you something in exchange, and he's like, "Oh, by the way, can you do this for me?" So then you just keep, and some of them, like, you have to travel, like, way across the map hmm. in order to find them. So there, there are a lot of side quests, too, you know, which are typical of RPGs instead of just doing the straight story. Because yeah. you can try and collect all the badges, because there's a lot of them. Uh, there's the, the Koopa Troopa side quest. There's several other ones but uh it's it's a really really fun game and i hate that i didn't get to fully play through it before i did my review but i i made it to the fourth star sprite so i made it a little halfway through the game which isn't yeah. too bad but man i forgot how much fun this game was <laughs> i there's something about a mario game like not just a mario platformer and i know we've talked about it before on the show but there's something magical about a Mario game. Mm-hmm. That, you know, and I don't even get that same feeling when I play a, um, a Zelda game. And Zelda is easily my favorite franchise of all time. But you can't replicate that Nintendo magic when it comes to Mario. Yeah. You know, I, I want to say that I may have told this story on the show, but when I was playing Mario Odyssey the first time and you go through new Donk city and you know, the festival portion yeah, where it turns into like the classic eight bit and you end up fighting Donkey Kong at the mm-hmm. end. Yeah. Like that. And the, the music, like, I'm not going to lie. I kind of got choked up a bit. Really? Because <laughs> I, remember I literally, that. I literally felt like I was five years old again. Yeah. Playing the original Mario. So that's, and that's what makes video games great. Yeah. Is bringing up fun memories like that.
3: So how did, the actually, gra- how did the graphics on this game hold up as far as being on the 64?
1: Well, the cool thing about the art style is that it still holds up. I mean, it's, it's not in high definition, so there is that. But the actual look of it, everything has that, you know, like almost like a cutout type of look so it doesn't look blocky like say Ocarina of Time does or Mario 64 does. Yeah. I think it has almost like a timeless art style because you could see, you know, kids stories, you know, in books with this type of art style. Yeah. I mean, I think more cartoons should be with this type of art style to be honest. Like if they did a Paper Mario cartoon series, that would actually be kind of
3: cool. Yeah, because I'm looking at this one screenshot here, and it does look very cartoony. hmm I could go for a new Mario cartoon, honestly.
1: Yeah, I loved Super Show yeah. back in the day, and e- even like the spinoffs, because they did the Mario 3 one, and they did the Super Mario oh, World cartoon. I loved
3: Super Mario World. I used to wait oh, I did too. so early just so I could watch it on Saturdays.
1: Yeah, it was the combination okay. of that and uh, Captain N.
3: Yep. I Loved Captain N, too. I want to do wow. another commentary track for a Captain N. I episode.
1: Uh, do, too. Episode. Absolutely. But, I mean, you can look at the, the screenshot from the Wikipedia page, and you can see that the backgrounds mm-hmm. look kind of blocky, but I think that actually fits with the type of game that it is and the type of yeah. look that it has. Because, like, the tree you see in the background, if you walk up to it, it has no real background. Like, it, it's thin as a piece of paper.
3: Yeah. Hmm.
1: So, I, I mean, I like to think that maybe they use the, the blockiness as a way to accent that art style.
3: Yeah. Well, it's the kind of art style that kind of holds up and works, I think, when you stylize yeah. things like this. It, stylized games tend to hold up way better over time.
1: Oh, for sure. Like that's why I think Breath of the Wild will be timeless. Yeah, because well, I mean, it has that balance of, yeah, shape wise and everything. The environments look real, but it has that little bit of the cell shading from Wind Waker.
3: Yeah, I mean, look at World of Warcraft. I mean, it's it's going on its sixteenth year now. People are still playing that game, and it's because it it didn't have a realistic look to it, and it's held. Mm-hmm. It's it's the champion of of multiplayer online games I mean because it's got that very stylized look to it and you go back and play even you know even like Zelda like you go back and even though they're a little blocky on the the 64 it still holds up because it's got that I don't know it's got kind of got that very stylized cartoony look to it
1: yeah Oh, one other thing that I f- forgot to mention that's actually kind of cool in this game is there are portions where you actually play as Princess Peach. Really? So after you rescue a star sprite, the game will cut to Peach's castle, which is you know, floating pretty much in space on top of Bowser's castle.
3: Hmm.
1: And in the beginning of the game, after Peach is captured, she is encountered by this star kid named Twink who is just like this little tiny star. Hmm. And he basically keeps her company throughout the game. But after you rescue a star sprite, the game will cut back to the castle. And as Peach, you try and find Bowser and you spy on him so that Twink can get information to then give to Mario. So then, like, say, you know, you'll overhear Bowser discussing something about, you know, where the next star sprite is. Usually Peach gets captured and is put back in her room. But then Twink will fly out of the castle, back down to the Mushroom Kingdom and find Mario and let you know, oh, oh, you need to go to Dry Dry Desert next.
2: Hmm.
1: So playing as Peach is is kind of interesting, and it, it gets a little bit more complex as the game progresses. Like the first time you play as her, you literally move like three rooms over. Yeah. And you find your next objective, but then you actually get to... Go through obstacles and various things like that, so it, it has a nice little element. And I want to say that might be outside of Mario Brothers 2, it might be the second only time that you get to play as the princess. I think so. In a Mario game,
3: that's what I was thinking is like, when do you ever get to play her other than Super Mario Brothers 2?
1: They made a game for the the DS or the 3DS where Mario is captured by Bowser, so as oh. Peach, you go through <laughs> the game and try and rescue him. That's cool. Which I thought was kind of cool.
3: Yeah. I, I'm looking I, at the... Oh, R- go ahead. I was going to say Rampage says Paper Mario animated series. I could go for that. It sounds like a Netflix oh, series.
1: I would watch that in a heartbeat. Yeah. Yeah, I'm looking at some of the chats here. Uh, let's see. Mixmaster says, yeah, Paper Mario games are fun. And he also says, Ocarina of Time still the best.
3: As far as Zelda goes, because we had that conversation about some of the best multiplayer was on the 64, and like, yeah, that's why the 64 is still popular Mm because it's an instant party console. You know, instantly you have four plugins right in the console.
1: If you only had GoldenEye and Mario Party, yeah, your weekend (laughs) would be set, yeah, (laughs) because that's literally all you need, yeah. But yeah, as far as the reception of this game goes, uh, it received uh, critical acclaim. IGN praised the game's accessibility, commenting that it serves as the perfect introductory game to any person hoping to explore the genre. Nonetheless, other reviewers complain about the brain-dead easy puzzles and bosses requiring basic strategy at best. Uh, The game's nostalgia value was lauded with reviewers noting the sense of familiarity with the Mario series present in the game's settings and characters. That's one of the best qualities of the game is that it feels like it still feels like a Mario game, yeah. even though it's an RPG. So I I think that's great. Uh, Tom Bramwell judged that Paper Mario is a vastly superior game to Super Mario RPG. While IGN compared the game's simple plot unfavorably with the SNES game, and RPG fan claimed that some of Paper Mario's story was copied from it. In some ways, yes, because in Paper Mario, you rescue uh, star sprites and there are seven of them, whereas in Mario RPG for Super Nintendo, you find seven star pieces that were broken off of the Star Road instead of Star Haven. So there there are some similarities, but like I said, it's a spiritual successor. Yeah. So there are going to be some similarities, but... You know, Electronic Gaming Monthly gave it a 9.3 out of 10, Eurogamer 9 out of 10, Famitsu 33 out of 40, and IGN a 9 out of 10, and I'm going to agree with IGN. I give this game a solid 9.
3: Not bad. I
1: absolutely love love this game. It's I forgot how good it was because I haven't played it in nearly 20 years. Yeah. But I I really enjoy it. And the good thing is, you know, this weekend I have the entire weekend off, so I'm definitely going to take some time to to keep playing this game.
3: That's that's like that's that's how good it is. High praise for a Nintendo 64 game.
1: It kind of sucks because I feel like this game would have gotten a little bit more attention had it not come out at the end of the console's
3: lifespan. Yeah. Nintendo's weird about that, man. They always putting out these type of games at the very end of a console and it's like what? why would you do that and not put it out on the gamecube as well
1: that did work to the advantage with conquer's bad fur day because originally that was going to be a like banjo kazooie type of game yeah But then they rebranded it with the South Park type of humor, and it was like Nintendo didn't care (laughs) because they were like all in on the GameCube, and they're like, yeah, sure, whatever. Yeah, because the yeah the GameCube came out in November of two thousand one, and I want to say Bad Fur Day came out in March of that same year, and then like nothing happened with the N sixty four after that.
3: Yeah. See that love, that's that,
1: a, that's another game I'd love to go back and play again that too. That was
3: like that was the death of Star Tropics. Was that they put Star Tropics two out in ninety four? One of the very last Nintendo games.
1: Which why would you even do that? Yeah. Just put it on the Super Nintendo. <laughs> I
3: know you're four, you're three years, you're three into years in. Super, yeah, to the Super Nintendo at that point. Why? Why would you not do that? See, it's comments like this as to why
1: we could never work for Nintendo. Yeah, because
3: we'd be sitting in the boardroom going, <laughs> "What are you doing?" <laughs> like,
1: yeah, we're we're gonna we're gonna release Star Tropics uh, for the Nintendo. But you mean like, yeah, Super Nintendo? No, oh. the NES. The, what the the like console
3: that's it, been out for ten years? <laughs> it's
1: like. It's like, I'll, I'll tell this story real quick because I would have the same reaction. So with baseball not going on at, at my job, we've I mentioned it before, but we've been doing other events like trivias on Thursdays, uh, bingo on Friday, and showing movies on Saturdays. We had a movie night this past Saturday, and this guy showed up and was extremely upset to see that we were not playing baseball. <laughs> I wanted to ask the question... Do you even know what year it is? Was he in a coma, or I don't know? Like he, he showed up like with his ticket. Like he had a ticket to the game. Like had we been playing baseball, we would have had a game that night. <laughs> and the box office explained to him, "Well, you know, though the season was canceled due to COVID, but it was canceled a month ago." Wow. Oh, I love this idea from Mixmaster. You should shoot a parody Nintendo commercial in the meeting room.
3: We could do that. It wouldn't take I have long. the
1: per I have the perfect idea for it. Next time we're together, we should totally do it. Okay. I would totally be down. Remind me, I'll like, bring
3: I'll bring my suit over.
1: <laughs> so here here's here's what I would do. If we could find footage from um actual Nintendo meeting room, we just rip it from YouTube and we splice that into what we shoot.
3: Yeah. I like it.
1: Kind of like the old um like the old Bud Light commercials that the NFL used to do a few years ago where they would splice in actual coach press conferences. Yeah, I like that. And there would be the two guys reacting. That's what we should do.
3: I'm down for that. That sounds fun.
1: Oh, I'd love to do that. The only thing that needs to happen is Steve needs to direct it and Kevin needs to shoot it. Exactly.
3: (laughs) They don't come cheap.
1: No. No, they do not. God, so, I would love to get Steve's reaction. Like, I should message him right after the show and be like, "Hey, got an idea."
3: Yeah,
1: <laughs> he's probably be like, "Oh God, what?"
3: <laughs> he probably gets sick of the both of us going, "Hey, I have an idea." He's <laughs> <laughs> like, "You didn't even finish writing the first one. Go write the first one before you have another idea."
1: Uh, he would probably just tell me to to be better. <laughs>
3: Uh, see that's but my yeah. problem Is I'll, I'll have a great idea start working on it and then my brain jumps goes squirrel here's another story and then I'm like all into the other stories like what happened to the first one yeah uh, oh anyway, man um, but yeah
1: that, that's my thoughts on uh, Paper Mario fantastic. anyone who hasn't played it absolutely should it, it's a great Mario game and it's a great RPG it's the perfect marriage of both
3: So next week, I'm not sure if I'm going to do flashback or um, I got this other game um, for free because I bought uh, Curse of the Moon 2. Um, It's called Biolab Wars. It was on sale for like 45 cents or something like that, 75 cents. So I was like, well, might might as well um, and used my Nintendo Gold points to get it for free. And I've been playing it a little bit, so it's either going to be Flashback or that. Um, I still got some other stuff I want to play, too. Um, So I'm not sure. I'll figure it out this weekend. Depends on what I start playing and what captures my attention.
1: I think I'm going to pick a bad game for my next one. Oh, yeah? I've got a couple of ideas. I'll have to narrow it down, but I I think, you know, I'm due to review just a a really shitty game. Yeah, you are. (laughs) So... (laughs) <laughs> yeah, it's that's the running gag. I always get the good ones. Yeah. So I'll I'll review a bad game next. I'll do that in uh in two weeks.
3: So uh is there anything else you'd like to uh throw out there before we leave this evening?
1: No, just as always, check out the Derek Diamond Experience podcast. New episodes drop every Thursday on all podcasting platforms as well as YouTube. You can follow me on social media at D Diamond Podcast. And don't forget Patreons, check patreon.com slash NerdCaveRetro, and you'll see what our next commentary track will be.
3: Yes. Uh, as far as I go, just stay tuned right here on my Twitch channel for the Open Micros podcast on Thursday nights. Um, I do my retro com- uh, Saturday morning commercial stuff on Saturday mornings, and then Sunday afternoons I do my retro gaming streams. So just keep an eye out. I'm constantly doing stuff on here, so just follow me here uh, and my Twitter, at You'll You'll figure it out. I'm always doing something. Yeah. So that's about it. I think I'm going to go ahead and play our music here. If you would like to email us, you can email us at nerdcaveretro at gmail.com. We're at nerdcaveretro.com. We're on Instagram and Twitter at nerdcaveretro and individually at jfunktastic and at Derek underscore diamond. We're on Facebook at facebook.com slash Um, we're on Patreon at patreon.com slash Retro Where you can go keep us above that $50 level So we can do the, uh, the the extra episodes The commentary tracks every month Where you guys torture us with bad movies like Double Dragon <laughs> So if you can't do that Can't throw us a couple bucks a month Leave us a review wherever fine podcasts are given away for free So Derek, please tell them what it's all about
1: Can't be too careful with all those weirdos around.
3: (laughs) Wise men say forgiveness is divine, but never pay full price for late pizza.
0: Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quinn's.